Morning, everybody. Winter draws on, as they say, and I hope you have, because it's one of those cold days today. I think it's going to be a really bad winter this year. I've decided that uh, we seem to be autumnal already. You wake up in the morning and it's windy, and today they reckon the weather's going to turn for the worst. I thought they said that last night. So I tied everything up last night, which, you know, not easy at my time of life, but I managed it. Tied it all up and sort of waited and... Nothing. Nothing at all. Came out this morning. No rain. Worse on Sunday morning. But they've said it's today. So you've got to be a bit careful. I'll just tell you now, just in case you're waking up. Windy day. Rain in places at first. That'll dry up by mid to late morning to leave a mostly dry and bright afternoon. But the high today, 21 degrees centigrade. I was nipping through one of the papers. And uh, as usual, the uh, I think it was the Mail today, are doing a feature on beauty. And they always road test creams. You know, they say, this cream's very good for you, that cream's very good for you. This one sort of firms up and plumps up. And I thought, I could do with some of that. I could do with some of this firming up and plumping up. And I looked at the price of this stuff, and I think it's called Melon. And it's made out of, I don't know, the enzymes that are in Melon, and they do something strange to it. And, and I thought, I'll buy some. I'll buy some of this, because they said they, they noticed results in two weeks. They actually sort of smoothed it on, and then it went all, all firm and plump. And I thought, firm and plump, that kind of sums me up first thing in the morning. And then I looked at the price of this thing, £169. I thought, I don't think I need to be that firm. £169, I wasn't sure if actually any cream was worth that much money. And then I thought of that uh, creme de mer, which I think is something like £240 for a pot. And I'm not sure whether or not my body's going to benefit, because I think I need it all over. So, but I'm, I'm looking at this melon, and, and I originally thought too expensive at 169. Then I thought, I don't know if it lasts over a year. It's actually probably not false economy. It's probably actually a very good uh, thing to buy. So I'm, I'm looking at it. I won't because it'll turn out to be a tiny, tiddly little pot of the thing, and I'll probably not, uh, not bother. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the Muslims protesting yesterday because I don't think they deserve any publicity whatsoever. There are only 24 of them, to be honest with you. I couldn't care less if they stand there, hold hands and kiss. I'm not remotely bothered by them. I'm really not, and I don't think you should be either. The papers have played them down completely. They've just said there were some people out there protesting, which, of course, you knew there would be. They obviously had nothing else to do yesterday, so they thought they'd stand there and upset anybody. Didn't upset me. I couldn't care less. That few people, an embarrassment to Muslims everywhere. They're sad, depressed people who don't have a, a way in life. They have a little aim, but they're, not, they're, they're all sort of like-minded buffoons, I'm afraid, really. And for 24 of them, who cares? Who cares? They don't feature on the front of any of the papers this morning. It's uh, Amy Winehouse's dad, Mitch, following on from the story we did yesterday that they reckon it was uh, the drug Librian that uh, that she had, which apparently is there to sort of ease her off the drug. So it's 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 a drug that sort of saved her, that they say could have killed her. And the moment his phone rang, he said in the early hours of the morning, he knew because he said to the bodyguard, she's dead, isn't she? And he said, yes. And it was it was then that uh, that things sort of changed. He thinks this seizure was sparked by sedatives. And we looked at uh, some of the sedatives yesterday, and some of the side effects were heart attacks and all sorts of stuff. Why they prescribe these to people? I think it's the detoxing, isn't it? If you actually come off drugs, and if you are one of those people who's unfortunate enough to have an addictive nature, an addictive personality, and it's very easy to be addictive. You can be addicted to all sorts of things. It doesn't have to be drugs. You can be addicted to chocolate. You can be addicted to sex. Uh, I think we had, uh, I mean, personally, I don't know anybody like that at all. Not at this time of the morning, anyway. Uh, but there was the, um, the Hollywood actor, wasn't there? I can't remember his name at the moment. But he was, he was addicted to sex. Ulrika Johnson was a sex addict. She made a programme on the television about, um, in fact, questioning, am I a sex addict? And we had to try and answer the, the questions which people were setting, which is, what is a sex addict? You know, ha- how many times a year would be considered a sex addict? More than three? 
more than four. I don't know, actually. It's like having a relationship, isn't it? And then you sort of... I think that, that, that side of it fizzles out after a while. And I think it just becomes like companions, which is a bit of a shame, really, because that's the bit that sort of got you together in the first place. But you speak to some couples. I've spoken to couples before, and I've said, you still... And they went, oh, God, no. Good Lord, finished that years ago. And you think, but what do you do? What do you do if you don't have that? I mean, is, is, that, is that when it's OK to go and play away? Because that's, that's the problem, isn't it? The most people, especially men, I think their, their libido runs for, for years and years. But I, I wasn't sure what a sex addict was. I mean, if, if you're doing it once a day, does that mean you're, you're a sex addict? Good Lord, be grateful, I should imagine. But you do read of some, I should imagine prostitutes get it every single day. But are they sex addicts or are they people who are addicted to the money and the rewards that having sex with a stranger brings? I don't know. I really don't know. So you don't have to be a drug-dependent person or an alcohol-dependent person. You could be addicted to cigarettes, chocolate, coconut. You could be addicted to it. You could be addicted to shoplifting. They're all addictions. And what they have to do is try and wean you off the addiction. I don't know how they do that. I'm assuming, in, in the case of Amy Winehouse, because of drink and drugs, they have to use sedatives. If you're coming off cigarettes, the addiction is to tobacco, which is very addictive, and you can trace that in the brain faster than heroin. And that's the problem with it. People think you give up smoking, and, uh, and that's it. You never think about it. I still think about it. I still think about having a cigarette. Years later, you still think about, oh, I could just do a cigarette. And then you think, no. And it passes. But for that brief moment, if somebody said, go on, just have a puff of that, I could be back on them again. I could be absolutely back on... I did do that years ago. I thought, having stopped for two years, there was no chance that I was going to go back on cigarettes without realising the implication of that. And I went out and we had some drinks and somebody had a cigarette and they said, do you want a cigarette? I said, do you know, I could just, I could just have one cigarette now and then perhaps I could have one cigarette a week. And I thought that would sort out the problem and then I'd be quite happy. My mother used to have one cigarette a year and she only had two puffs and put the thing out. Seemed a dreadful waste of lighting it, but anyway. And so I, I, I sort of had this one cigarette. And then, I think within less than pff, half an hour, I had another cigarette. And then I was back on them again. And I had to go out and find a garage, because in those days it was only garages, uh, who were selling cigarettes late at night. There was no sort of shops open. And I had to go out and buy some cigarettes. And I got through the whole packet, and I enjoyed every bit of it. Every bit of it. So when people write to me, and they send me an email saying, how do you give up smoking? I go, it's hard work. But you can do it. Now I've not smoked for, for years and years. And it doesn't bother me. But it doesn't mean you don't think about it. I think it's like being an alcoholic. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. You only lose slightly the addiction. But you've only got to have that one drink and you're back on the sauce again. And unfortunately, people do have that. You sit at home. I, I don't know what makes an alcoholic. Somebody said to me, people who drink first thing in the morning. Well, when I used to do overnights, so I would finish at five in the morning, go home, and I would have a drink. I wasn't sure if that made me an alcoholic. So I then started getting quite panicky about whether or not I was somebody who was addicted to alcohol. So I gave up the alcohol first thing in the morning, had a cup of tea and a piece of toast. Then I began to think I was addicted to a cup of tea and a piece of toast. And before you know where you are, I've got all sorts of strange addictions going on. And I wish I'd stuck with the alcohol, because at least with the alcohol, you go to bed and you've forgotten why you went to bed in the first place, because you've had two sort of gin and tonics. So then I started doing peanut butter on toast. And I think, no, I'm addicted to peanut butter. So the peanut butter went out. And I thought, right, I'll do marmalade. And then I suddenly realised, I don't like marmalade, so I had to stop doing marmalade. In fact, the whole thing just became a nightmare. I became very insecure. I became very sort of paranoid about things going on. You know, I'd only have to watch rugby on the television to realise when they went into the scrum, it wasn't me they were talking about. I just thought they were talking about me at the time. So you have these addictions, and then at the end, well, finally when you've sorted your life out, you know, you're completely drained, 
and you think, I wish I'd never bothered about it in the first place. All the things that make you fat. You know, don't have this, don't have that, that's bad for you. Can't have cream cakes, can't have this, too much booze, very bad for you. I mean, you know, I was getting to the situation where sherry trifle at Christmas became a bit of a problem for me. My mother used to get tiddled on about two glasses of sherry. So she'd make the sherry trifle, you'd go into the kitchen at Christmas, she'd be on her knees crying with laughter in front of the stove because she'd forgotten to turn... And the amount of times we had turkey Christmas Day, we'd open it up and the giblets were still sitting in there in the bag. And, of course, you can't really eat it if the giblets are in there, because that's the... I don't know why they put them in there, I've got no idea, for the gravy, I think. But uh, we used to open up and go, oh, the gib- Mum, the giblets are still in here. And then she'd start laughing, I suppose, we'd spend most of our Christmas laughing about the whole thing. Anyway, aside from that, I'm sure you have addictions you'd love to tell us about this morning. And also, you'd love to tell me why it is that this is Moaning Monday. There's always something, isn't there? There's always something going on. And Monday was always the day. You've had your weekend. You've had a bit of a break. You've been out. You know, perhaps you've met somebody this weekend that you're romantically involved with. Perhaps you've been out. You've had a nice dinner. Perhaps you've had a dreadful weekend. Perhaps you've got bills in on Saturday and you're looking at them now thinking, and the money for this comes from where? Because that's what we do, don't we? And you, you dread the postman delivering on a Monday. You dread, you know, the post... Oh, gosh, it looks like a bill. It looks like a bill... And especially when you've got to this moment in the month, because this is the 12th, so this is a precarious time. This now means that you've been paid from last month, but most of it's gone. So you've now, you're hoping that no more bills are going to arrive, but you know, sure as God made little apples, there's going to be a bill today for something. There'll always be somebody that sends in a bill, or something will happen. The car will break down, you get a flat tyre. There'll be something that involves you having to spend money. Or failing that, you'll run out of cigarettes. You think, oh, I haven't got the strength to put... I used to get really desperate. I used to um, try and lose weight years ago. And so I went to a diet clinic. And years and years ago, diet clinics used to dole out a tablet called Tenuate Dospan. It was basically speed. That's what it was. And in the 70s, you could get it just about anywhere. There were doctors all over the place who had retired, who set up clinics, and they would dispense Tenuate Dospan. When Tenuate Dospan became illegal... They started dishing out Ionomin, and they would then add to that a water tablet, which was great for women, but rubbish for men. And on a Saturday morning, I became addicted to getting the tablets, because you could take one of these tablets, or half a tablet, and you'd be so hyper that you didn't actually want to eat anything. So you'd actually get to the end of the day and think, I haven't actually eaten anything. Have I eaten anything? And you'd have to sit down and try and remember whether you'd eaten anything. And then and everybody became addicted to tenuate dospans, so eventually the government had to make them illegal. So people then started scouring the countryside and finding out who, was, who had old stocks of them. And you'd sit in this, uh, this slimming clinic, and there would be people in as thin as a rake as thin as a rate, coming in to get Tenuate Dospan, and they would do a cursory way and go, oh, you lost a pound last week, uh, and here's your next seven tablets, and here's your water tablets. And that's how it would work. You would go in there, you'd hand over whatever it was, £10, £15, I can't remember what it was, and then you'd walk out with you, and you'd go, thank goodness for that, I can go and eat. And then you'd forget to eat. And so it, it, it was a never-ending circle of trying to lose the obligatory £2. That's what they say. That's what they actually say you, you can lose now. Two pounds a week is supposed to be the accepted norm. So when you read of people losing, you know, a stone in three weeks, you think that's way too much, way too much. You're bound to put it all back on again. But if you're on one of those sort of diets, do let me know. 84850 uk. It's quarter past five. These are the headlines. The September the 11th ceremonies in London have ended with 40 people being arrested and two people being stabbed. An extremist group burnt the American flag outside the US Embassy during a ceremony involving the Prince of Wales and the Mayor. A British tourist believed to be from Hertfordshire has been kidnapped and her husband shot dead 
at a luxury beach resort in Kenya, close to Somalia. They were targeted during a robbery. It's believed the woman may have been taken across the border. And we'll find out later what plans are being put in place to prevent another banking crisis. A report's likely to say banks have been split up by the risky investment side of things from the high street banks that they own. Let's have a check on the roads for you this Monday morning. Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. We're well, starting in Dulwich, where Lord... Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. I trust you had a good weekend. Batten down the hatches today. You're in for a squall. Love that word, a squall. As the wind and the rain lashes the country, take an umbrella. Although it won't make any difference. It'll blow inside out unless you've got a gust buster, in which case you'll be fine. But uh, we had loads to talk about over the weekend because we were amazed at how many of you remember exactly what you were doing when you heard the news about 9-11. And it ran all day. We did it all the way uh, during the breakfast show. And then Andrew Pearce and Kevin Maguire did it after that as well. And it's amazing what vivid memories people have, especially as I was on air on LBC when it happened, and then handed over to Julia Somerville, who didn't have the faintest idea what was going on, so she started her programme with her normal things. It wasn't until somebody went and said, listen, this is now serious, there's another plane coming round, that they then, they then picked up on it. Uh, the other thing that's back on the television is The X Factor. It's the same bunch of saddos who get up on stage, and some of them have got average voices, and Louis Walsh says the same, you know, this is, this is your moment, a million percent, yes, you're through. And, and there were two, two gay boys that turned up. I'm only guessing they were gay boys, because they were slightly effeminate. And they came on stage, and, um, and they said, you know, what are your names? So they minced around for a few seconds, and Louis went... <coughs> Like that, and, and we all went, oh, God, not again. It's so boring. It's bad enough with Jedward, I'm afraid. But they've gone on to make a lot of money. So you have these two guys, and then they st- just before they start singing, he says, OK, you ready? And then one takes out a lip gloss and puts on lip gloss, which is kind of just asking for trouble. It's kind of asking for trouble. It's kind of, I'm afraid you've just lost all credibility. And Gary Barlow hit, hit, hit the nail on the head straight away. He said, you are the worst thing about this competition. You know, you are the thing. But of course, Lulu Walsh absolutely loved them to pieces because they were camp and over the top. The fact they couldn't sing for Toffee was neither here nor there. Doesn't seem to make any difference. Hadn't held Jedward back. And so they, they put them through. Gary Barlow wasn't, wasn't keen at all, but he was kind of bullied by the rest of the panel because it's, it, it's, it ceased to become a singing competition. Occasionally you get somebody with a good voice on, but nine out of ten times, half these people couldn't sing for Toffee. And then we had a, a hairdresser, and it turns out in the paper today he knows Talisa, and she's aware of his music anyway. So it's a, I mean, it doesn't make any difference to me, because nine out of ten of them you won't be seeing in a year's time. They'll, they'll do the tour if they get through, a couple of the ones, and then they'll actually push it for a bit, for, and that'll be it. I'm still waiting for Matt Cardle. I know that Dawn will tell me there's a single on the way and an album and all the rest of it. But to be honest, I heard him singing on The X Factor. They were showing a clip the other day for a competition. I don't think his voice was all that at all. I really didn't think it was all that. It was probably the best out of a bunch of numpties that we had last time round. What, what you're getting at the moment is Simon Cowell putting all his effort and makeup into One Direction. Because you cannot move in the papers for pictures of One Direction. They're the new take. The fact they can't sing is neither here nor there. The fact that the, these people really cannot sing. So at the moment, they actually haven't hit the charts. They do have a single out, and I think they've got an album, and it's got the most downloads ever in advance of a single, and yet they'll not be singing it live because they can't. OK, it's as straightforward as that. But what they've done is sold an image. When you look at the picture of them, these little boys who are 19, so they're not, you know, not little Twinkies. 
You know, it's not America, but they've done them up as if they're appearing on the Partridge family. So they've all got sort of fluffy hair and pearly white teeth, and they look absolutely, you know, cute beyond belief to appeal to the girl market. They've had an autobiography out, they've modelled clothes, they turn up to all the openings, they were at the GQ Awards, God knows why, half of them aren't even old enough to drink anyway. So they turn up to the... Because that's what they do. They're in the business of, let's put them out there. So in every paper over three days now, you have seen lots of pictures placed in the press uh, by their agency, which is Psycho, which is Simon Cowell. And it's brilliant marketing. I mean, you can't... If you look at the picture of them, you'd think they're all... Oh, they're like the boys next door, if you live next door to an orphanage. And and they're there, and they're they're in your face, and they're going to be bouncing around. But I tell you, you won't hear them singing that song live because they're not going to risk it. They will not risk it. Steps never sang live. And the reason was, as, uh, as was explained by uh, Pete Waterman, he said, if I've put money into making a single and my effort and my expertise, and it's very... Why would you want them to go on television and ruin it? You don't... You, you know, you, you've done a carefully crafted single, which is what they've done with One Direction. If they go on television and say, OK, you're singing it live, they could kill it stone dead, so they won't let them sing it live. Makes no difference to the fact The fans couldn't care less. Because if you go and see them in concert, from a distance, you'd never know if they were singing live or Memorex. Most of them could be auto-tuned, and that would be as far as it would get. Noreen says, what a day for remembering the victims and families of 9-11. I watched a programme about children who lost parents that day. So sad. It was, it was very sad, actually. Very sad. That's why I'm not giving any coverage to people who might be protesting about it, because they're, 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 they're so limited in the intelligence department, and they're so girly-girly, that uh, I decided we wouldn't mention them at all. Uh, Charlotte, Nathan and Danielle had a lovely holiday, and the parents. I think it was... I hope they had good weather. I hope they had good weather, because everybody goes on holiday nowadays, and the one thing you want... You go on holiday and it rains, and you feel like you've been cheated, don't you? We've waited all year for this one holiday. We get there, you've got your speedos on, you know, you stand outside... And it's tipping down. And you look at the weather and you think, oh, we could have stayed at home. Especially when people then phone you and go, oh, it's a heat wave here. And you go, yeah, I'm, I'm in Mallorca. It's absolutely bucketing down. It's ghastly. It's full of Brits, full of people with kiss-me-quick hats. Why we ever had hats on? And it became the standard in, in uh, places like Blackpool and Brighton to buy a hat with kiss-me-quick on it. I don't know why, actually. Why not kiss me long and lingeringly? That'd be far more entertaining, wouldn't it? It's like sticks of rock. I never quite got rock at all, especially when it's got, you know, your name all the way through. You can have it going then by your name rocks. You can go to by Steve, and it's got Steve. The more you suck it, you know, you can still read Steve all the way. And I used to think, why? Why? And then you could buy rock. They used to have rock shops. In Brighton, there used to be a very famous rock shop on the seafront. And it was rock in various shapes and forms, including some which we can't talk about on this programme. And you would and you would buy sort of rock that looked like little rocks and pebbles off the beach. You'd buy a little sort of packet. And I used to think, why? What was the point? And babies' dummies. And then you could buy... I mean, it was just sugar. But it was, it was when they put your name together. If you had a really difficult name, then they, 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 they could make it up for you. And it was big. And then by the time you'd rolled it out, it became, became smaller. Strange, that, isn't it? Martin Clunes, very revealing, says Keith and Sharon Gless. You can download them. They're on the podcast now. And um, still to come, we've got Joan Collins and Will Young, Barbara Taylor Bradford, who I was just looking at this morning on the internet. She's got a fabulous New York apartment. And she shows people around it. And I thought, now that's my kind of apartment. My kind of apartment. Really, really lovely. Really, really lovely. Uh, Plus, we've also got... um, Today, some anniversaries. Gordon, from not-quite-so-sunny Tooting, says, uh, it's our wedding anniversary today, and we're going to St Ives for a few days. She'll be on the road by 6am. So if you could read this out there... Oh, I'll do it later then, shall we? All right. <laughs> Probably still in the shower at the moment. And uh, Sandra, I love her very much. Oh, well, nice. So, actually, it's a, it's a good journey. Good time to go at 6am in the morning. 
definitely a good time, but take an umbrella. Definitely take uh, take brollies, because otherwise you'll be in a in a dreadful situation down there. Uh, I have a, uh, an addiction, says Paul. It's called LBC. Yes, I know lots of people with this addiction. Uh, there is no, no known cure for it at all, I'm afraid. There's nothing at all you can do about it. Apart from there might be a little bit of help on the internet, where you can go on there and talk to like-minded people. And, um, and that's, I mean, there, there are no, no tablets you can take. There's no, there's no doctor that you can go and see about your LBC addiction. You just have to sort of rest easy that you're in good company. A lot of other people have the same addiction and probably addicted to the same things that you are as well. You know, there'll be certain things that you like about LBC and th- certain things you don't like, but encompassing everything, it's an addiction, which I'm well aware of. And then we, uh, we also celebrate the life of Andy Whitfield today. Andy Whitfield died I think yesterday he was in um, Gladiator and he was only young, very, very young actor. He'd had uh, cancer before and it had come back, I'm afraid. It was this non-Hodgkin lymphoma and uh, he died in Sydney, Australia. He was only 39 and it's uh, it's a tragedy to his uh, family, his wife and his friends as well. He uh, he did go and meet Spartacus fans and uh, then when the uh, the non-Hodgkin lymph- uh, lymphoma came back again. He had to pull out of the second movie, and um, it, he didn't. He didn't say anything. He just sort of went very quietly at the end. So great sadness there for Andy Whitfield, who died on Sunday. His uh, his agent issued a statement a short while ago. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at LBC Guess who's doing the papers this morning with Nick Ferrari, Louise Mensch. You'll know Louise Mensch because she's the Conservative MP for Corby. And uh, she also sits on the select committee for the Department of Culture, Media and Sport. She was the one who rose to prominence, although she was famous before because she's an author, uh, during her questioning of James and Rupert Murdoch as part of the phone hacking scandal. So you can, uh, I'm sure you'll have something to say about that this morning on LBC. Uh, More on, this this is the strangest story. I heard this yesterday. It is the oddest story ever. This was... um, and, and I only mention it because, having read Paddy Doherty, I say read Paddy Doherty because you certainly wouldn't understand anything he was saying when he was on Big Brother because he was totally illiterate and uh, women. And that was all he managed to come up with on Celebrity Big Brother. But anyway, he won and he said, I hope at the end, I think he did this through, through a translator, that uh, now we're able to sort of put all the myths to one side about travellers and everything else and see what sort of people we are. I thought, no, no, just see what you are. Because there's a story in the paper today which, uh, which you know, just heaps all sorts of dreadful stuff on them. 200 policemen raided a traveller camp the other day and freed, freed 24 down-and-outs who apparently had been kept as slaves by the, some of the travellers. This is a five-month operation and uh, police believe some of the men, 17 of them British, had been held for, wait for it, 15 years... 15 years in a traveller camp. Don't tell me that there aren't rotten apples in the barrel. This is at Leighton Buzzard at Greenacres. Uh, said by one source, we're like a Nazi concentration camp. What they'd done is these, uh, these down-and-outs had been kept. They'd been made to work for free under threat of torture and everything else. So 200... We're not talking about a small operation here. We're talking about something quite serious. 200 police raided this traveller's camp and freed these 24 people. Unbelievable. More on that story later on. And guess who's going to make a sensational return to Albert Square? He's been away for 21 years. I could tell you now that he was back on the television a, a short while ago. It's uh, Nick Berry. He's now 48. He played Simon Wicks. He's being lured back 
with his screen brother David, played by Michael French. Wixie's back in EastEnders. Now, that will be interesting. That will be interesting. We'll be looking out for that one. If you just joined us, it's LBC 97.3. It's nice to have a company. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. You're very welcome. More of your texts and emails. Follow the news at 5.30, which is next. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to six. It's Monday morning. It's moan day. It's the day where you, you moan about this. We moan about we haven't got enough money. We'll moan about the weather. We'll moan about the fact Christmas is around the corner. Sorry, shouldn't have mentioned it. I realise it's upsetting for a lot of people, but it's not that far away. I think now you should start picking out the family Christmas tree. Start making... Actually, it's funny. We're, we're never prepared for Christmas. It comes as a big surprise to most people, doesn't it? They go, good heavens above, December the 23rd. I can't believe it. It's come round again so fast. What do we do? What do we do? And you go, have you planned for it? No, I haven't. Have you sent your cards overseas? No, I forgot. I forgot about that. So all those relatives who've moved over to Australia and China and and other places like Japan, uh, unfortunately, are not going to be getting a Christmas card because I forgot. So and and some people don't, don't send Christmas cards at all. And they always go, I'll give a donation to charity. That means they won't. It just means that they're too tight to send a Christmas card. Whereas I bought my Christmas cards. I realise you think it's probably a bit early. Even I myself think it's a bit early, but they were on special offer. And I did nearly buy some gift tags. Uh, I do have some champagne left over from last Christmas, which is quite... It's it's a nice bottle. So I've got some bottles of Cristal champagne, which is the footballer's favourite. Not that I can play football, but I do mean nude leapfrog. So that's the kind of thing which sort of endears you to a lot of people. And so I've done that, but every year I forget to do a Christmas card list. What I tend to do is the Christmas cards start coming in, and then I start writing them out. There are certain ones to family and friends you've got to do, and the godchildren. And in the case of my godchildren, they've all got to have a card. So because I've got three, that's three cards straight away, and then mum and dad's, that's four cards to one family. And it, it starts, you think, why can't they just have a joint card? Why can't they have one child? I mean, I love the idea of having three, but you have to send a lot of cards, and there's not much you can do about it. And you've got to do brother, then you've got to do the, uh, the, the two daughters as well, so that's, and then you've, got to do, then you've got to do brother's girlfriend. And before you know where you are, you know, you've done 20 cards, and you haven't even thought about people you work with or anything like that. So I've, I've stopped sending to people I work with. Just a couple of people I send to. Just a couple of, you know, people I've known for years and years. And... Um, and I try and do it. I wish I could be organised. Christopher Biggins gets a company to do his. So he sort of signs it. He actually sends a list of who the cards are going to. And they print off the labels and they do the card. And he sort of signs and then they're all sent off. Some are personalised, some are not. So if you get a non-personalised card, it means you're not quite at the top of his Christmas card list. You've got a pers- and it's always to do with the pantomime. Whichever pantomime he's in, he has a picture taken with him and Neil. Or it'll be him and, uh, you know, cast members. Or it'll be something like that. And it'll always say inside, you know... Christmas wishes from Biggins and Neil, and uh, this is where he's in pantomime this year. So it's, it's a free advert, and it also boosts up trade for the panto. Not that I think panto needs any boosting up at all. Good grief, what on earth is she wearing? This is Lady... Good Lord, I don't, I don't know, is it a see-through outfits, the latest thing? I'm, I'm obviously missing out on this. Lady Gaga uh, is wearing sort of that Abby Clancy wore an outfit the other day, which meant that you stand there in your bra and pants, and then you put over, like, a piece of chiffon over the... But it's see-through. So you can see right through. Is that the sort of outfit you'd... Um, no, I'm just thinking about you know, I'm just wondering. No. So you haven't got an outfit like this at home. Oh, you have got the outfit. OK, that's fine. You just wouldn't think of wearing it. OK. Because Lady Gaga is a lot bigger than Abby Clancy. Abby Clancy is a little thin thing. And it kind of looks OK if you're standing on the Reaper Barn, you know, on a Saturday night at about two in the morning, you know, looking for clients. I don't think it's appropriate stuff to wear outside. Lady Gaga's got the slightly bigger version. 
And it's, it, it's, but this one comes with a, a head sort of piece as well. But it is just basically bra and pants with a, with a see-through covering over the top. It's, it's not, you don't wear it outside, do you? I'm assuming this is the kind of thing you'd probably wear to bed or a special occasion. Yes. It's odd, though, isn't it? I wonder, where do you get outfit? I've never been in any shops where they sell this kind of stuff. It's, it, it comes with, with, with this veil as well, and she has to hold most of it over her arm. And it, it's nice, but not for walking about the streets, which she is here with a little handbag. Very strange. The identity of a top Premier League footballer who tested positive for ke- cocaine, can't even say it now, will be revealed tonight. It's a television programme. It's a Channel 4 show, Dispatches. And uh, they're going to focus on the use of recreational and performance-enhancing drugs in football. Uh, 240 tests uh, have been axed as players go AWOL. Dozens of stars fail drug checks. I should imagine, I mean, you know, without putting too fine a point in it, you could probably go through show business and find roughly the same nowadays. You know, it isn't just the likes of Amy Winehouse and people like that before the Kurt Cobains who've done drugs. I should imagine there are loads of people who do recreational drugs. It's, it's almost so common, and that's why, when you get the front page of the, um, of the Sun this morning, it's roughly the same on the mirror, with Mitch Winehouse saying, Amy's still with me, we'll save kids from drugs, you won't. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not being naive when I say that, I'm being realistic. There are so many drugs in the... You will not stop people taking drugs. They will take drugs, and some will die, and some won't die. We've seen, and I've said before, we've had pictures in the newspapers of uh, parents who've said, yes, print a picture of my girl on the floor with a needle shoved in her arm. It'll stop other people taking drugs. Might stop one or two people. The rest of them will will carry on. You could go out onto the streets of London now, find a drug addict, and it's not too difficult at this time of the morning, and say, listen, have you seen Amy Winehouse die? Would you like to stop taking drugs? No. Why would they? They work on the assumption they managed to keep it under control themselves, and other people who've died through taking ecstasy and uh, meow meow and stuff like that because there's so much of it produced people who say they were just unlucky maybe they had something in their body that reacted or made them react to it thus hastening their end and so that's why you will not get it doesn't matter how much money you pump into it there is so much money to be made from drugs you could go i would think i would think actually every single london club or pub and find somebody within five minutes who could get you drugs i wouldn't have thought it was that difficult I remember having discussions with MPs years ago. And we had a round table. And I said to, uh, to one of them, I said, I could walk out of here, I said, and walk into any pub, and within five minutes, somebody behind the bar or somebody in there would know somebody who could get drugs. And he said, no. I said, of course. I said, of course. I said, some clubs, I couldn't possibly name them, have drugs tables. They would rather people bought the drugs legally inside than illegally out on the streets because you don't know what you're buying. People have been known to buy washing powder before now, thinking they were buying speed. People have been known to buy all sorts of things. Ketamine became a very famous drug in London clubs. It was a horse tranquilizer. They gave it to... Ho- what the hell people did? I can't imagine why. If you want to go out for the night, I can quite happily have a very good night on two or three glasses of wine or some fruit juice or something like that. Why people need to feel the need to stick drugs inside them, I've got no idea, but they do. And, um, and unfortunately, some people die at the end of it. So no matter what, you know, Mitch Winehouse says about how he's going to get kids and save them from drugs, you won't. You will not. It's a culture. And, and you cannot change a culture because there's something missing in their life that means that they have to take drugs because they feel a better person. It's like people who, who drink. They feel better because they've had the drink than if they hadn't had the drink. If you take the drink away from them, they become really aggressive. Very aggressive. Justin Bieber hopes to be a father by the time he's 25. It's nice, isn't it? 
He looks a bit slightly odd, I'm afraid, Justin Bieber. I can't quite work him out at all. I know he's, he's obviously very famous, but he, he's dating actress Selena Gomez. Says, I want to be a young dad by 25 or 26. I want to see myself, uh, like, married or start looking for a family. Oh, when you say start looking for a family, you, he is aware, do you think, at 17 of how you have a family. You don't sort of go out there and look on the supermarket shelves and go, oh, look, two ch- that, oh, that's a good bargain. Two children here, one blonde, one dark, we'll have that one. No, perhaps, perhaps he doesn't understand. I don't know. I don't think it's necessary to be a father. It's, it's kind of something that's going to happen. But I don't think you can go, it's going to happen at 25 or 26. Might not, mightn't it? You have to find out whether or not you're actually capable of having children to start with. Lots of pictures in the papers of the, uh, of the children carrying white roses for the 67 victims at the ceremony yesterday. 67 white roses for the British victims. And, uh, and a few sad people burning a flag who we won't mention on the programme because uh, they're not really worth it. Uh, and Kate Moss has got a new friend. Gemma Collins. Gemma Collins. that mean anything to anybody? No, sadly not. Poor old Gemma Collins. She's the fat bird out of The Only Way is Essex. And uh, she says, I'm now hanging around with the Primrose Hill set. And uh, she's invited me out there. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? And they, and they sort of met, apparently, through Kate's hairdresser, who is James Brown. That was that one who had a TV programme and didn't go up in anybody's estimation after it. So we didn't really care about that. But uh, there won't be a cameo role on The Only Way is Essex because they just want ordinary people. And Gemma Collins is really very, very ordinary. And that's why um, she's on the programme. Uh, also, she's on there because she's apparently missing something. Personality. More families in the paper today. How to survive on 32,000 a year. They've got, uh, wait for it, nine children, twins on the way, and they're not on benefits. So here they all are. Mike and Tanya, Joseph, very good-looking family. Ben, Caitlin, Stephanie... Uh, Ollie, Harry, Eddie, Paddy and Sid. Never seen such a good-looking family. I don't know how how they all cram into a house, but they all look very well-fed. Certainly Dad does, very well-fed. And they don't do benefits, which is is good news for everybody. So I always worry about, they put, here is a family, and they're all on benefits. And I think, oh, no, please. So try and find a family. We have found them before. Double summer in Tokyo. It's blimming hot. In two weeks, I'm off to Las Vegas, says Elliot. For my daughter's wedding. Can anybody give me some tips for Vegas? I don't gamble, so I'm hoping to get out and see some sights. Um, you don't need to gamble in Vegas. You really don't need to. Depends where you're staying. I mean, everybody else will probably tell you the same. You can find just as much amusement walking through the hotel. Caesar's Palace is so vast, you don't need to go outside. It's all inside. Shops, restaurants. I mean, you can look at people gambling and just think, suckers. Because you don't... I mean, I, I did a little tiny bit, but I mean... Little, little, tiny bit. But what I found sad was people on oxygen cylinders sitting there going... <laughs> pumping money into, into fruit machines. And that was, the, that was the big problem. But you can go there and you can have a look at the fountains at the Bellagio. You can look at Treasure Island as the ships... You know, once you've done a couple of things like that, it's, you know, you kind of done Vegas. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. And so you won't spend too much time walking up and down the, uh, the street. But if you do, don't worry. There's loads of people selling bottles of water. They're all over the place. Mexicans with these cool boxes. And it's like a dollar. And believe you me, you'll want it because your feet will ache. So take sensible shoes, a lot of walking, uh, and just do the hotels. Just do the hotels. You can do some of the amusements and things like that. But you don't have to gamble. To be honest with you, you can go and see shows. But you can go and see shows anywhere, can't you? I don't really know, actually, why you're going to Las Vegas apart from your daughter's wedding. So uh, you, d- you don't need to gamble. There is, you know, there's a bit of a push on people to gamble. You can play, ki- they play Kino, which is a bit like bingo. And they, uh, you can play that in your hotel room. And you can play it while you're having your breakfast. 
I've, I've managed to avoid that when I've been there before. So it didn't, didn't actually give me any problems at all. But good luck. So double summer for you. Whereas over here, we're into the... Oh, good news for Doris Day. She's got a number one album. They're making out like it's new recordings, but it's not. It's 2004 when her uh, son, I think, was producing it. Well, Paul will tell us about that in a moment. And uh, Vic Beckham in all the papers today. Vickery, Vic, Vickery, Victoria, have you got no money, love? Why don't you just buy a pushchair like most parents? Stick the kid in the pushchair or the pram. Okay, do you have to walk around holding this child? What happens if you fall off your heels? It's very interesting. A lovely piece in the paper today about somebody who was not really made welcome at Victoria's fashion show because she's been critical in the past. And, um, and you want to hear, this is Liz, Liz Jones. And so they've got a picture of Victoria Beckham holding her baby in the stupidest heels you've ever seen. Absolutely stupid beyond belief. You could fall off these things, but the claptrap that comes from old Vic's people is even funnier. And uh, the story that we did a few days ago when I mentioned that I get really angry seeing people sitting on a bus and uh, they're, they're sitting there and they've got these little dogs. And now it turns out 400 a year of these little dogs are abandoned. And uh, it's a shame really because most of them have ceased to walk. What they do is because their owners hold them all the time, their legs don't function. So you put them down on the ground. They do, as they've said in this piece in the mail today, they do about three or four uh, walks and then they just stop and they refuse to go any further. So what happens is they have to then, they, 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 they just get abandoned. So my advice is to all these cruel animal haters who walk around with dogs in handbags and we saw yesterday the papoose. The papoose is the new thing for putting your dog in like a sling around your neck. If I see anybody with it, I shall call the police. It's as simple as that. It's just the most stupid thing I've ever seen. Generally for people who quite clearly are animal abusers. Because it's, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. So they've got, you know, dogs in little handbags and dogs, you know, in this. And, and it's just awful. So 400 of them. And they, they cease to walk. And consequently, they just kind of give up. And they then learn to be very snappy. They turn to be, you know, have to adjust the dog again to make sure that people are aware of exactly what it's able to do. But, they, but people just get, oh, I don't like it anymore now. And they get rid of it. Horrible people they are. Horrible. If you see anybody like that, just go boo. Boo to them. Because that's what you have to do. Because uh, it's a shame. But they've done a big feature in, uh, in the Daily Mail for today. So uh, check that one out. And also the uh, dreadful story of the pirates who've murdered a British tourist and kidnapped his wife from an exclusive Kenyan resort. Absolutely dreadful. He was murdered in his bed and she was then kidnapped. So we've got no idea what's, uh, what's, what's happening over there. But we will bring you up to date with that very, very shortly. The time now is uh, coming up 14 to 6. These are the headlines. At least 40 people are being held by police in relation to protests which started at yesterday's 9-11 memorial service in London. Groups including Muslims Against Crusades and the English Defence League both held demonstrations and had to be kept apart as they marched through central London. The Foreign Office is trying to secure the release of a kidnapped British woman whose husband was murdered during a robbery in Kenya. The couple was staying at a luxury beach resort when it happened on Saturday. And the Met Police could have a new commissioner by the end of today. Home Secretary Theresa May and Mayor Boris Johnson are giving four applicants a final chance to impress before deciding who gets Scotland Yard's top job. Let me check on the roads for you this morning. Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve, for starting in Dulwich where Lordship... Morning, everybody. Monday morning, early breakfast. Nice to be company. You all right? You all right today? Sorry about the weather. I wish I could do something about it and, and tell you today was going to be not a heat wave, but at least something that vaguely resembles summer.
but it's not. It's going to be wet and windy. Christine in Bristol says, I've been in agony all night with my back. I've been waiting for your programme to come on. I'm obviously the cure of back pain now, I think. But uh, strangely enough, everyone had bad night's sleep last night. I had a terrible night's sleep. I fell asleep yesterday. After. I went out to do... I was going to go out and I was going to go to Costco because after Dawn told me that the mince pies were in, and I, ha- I promise you I haven't had any mince pies or any cake or anything like that. And I thought, perhaps I'd better get them because they sell out quite quickly. These aren't just any mince pies. These are Walker's mince pies with Glenfiddich whiskey. And I thought, best to get them now, because you can go there and they'll have sold out. So I think I might have to go at some point today, because I quite like the drive. And then I got halfway down, I thought, I can't be bothered to go today. I think the weather's going to turn. So I came back home again, nipped into Waitrose, bought a couple of things, and then came back home and sort of watched a film, which I think was called Way to the Stars, which is a good British wartime movie about, you know, pilots... Uh, and how so many boys lost their lives and they used to count them back in. I mean, all this stuff that was a bit after my time. But when you watch it back again, it was, oh, it, it just looked a better time. You know, people were more, more together in the, in the country. People, people spoke to each other. Everybody seemed to speak quite nicely. You know, even, even when you watch some old British kitchen sink dramas, people were still nice. They just seemed nicer. You know, you have dreadful stories in the papers nowadays. And they used to say at the end of some television programmes, sleep well. Don't worry, not quite as bad as we portray it. I used to think, you're kidding, of course. And then you turn on, and we've got uh, the Strictly Come Dancing programme. And there was a lovely uh, review of it, which was ever so funny, uh, if I can find it, because it was by um, it was by one of the TV critics. It might be in The Sun, actually, today, because he, he sort of summed it up, because you, you've got this, uh, this group of people on the, on the television. and Oh, I'll tell you, well, I forgot to mention, Cliff Robertson died. He was... Um, uh, the star of the film 633 Squadron. Remember 633 Squadron? He was a star of that. He also appeared in uh, in the Spider-Man movies as Uncle Ben. Died of natural causes the day after his birthday. 88 he was. 88. And I do sometimes look at these old movies, you know, the 633 Squadron, Way to the Stars, Battle of Britain, and I wonder where these people are now. You know, any of them still around? Because I always find it absolutely fascinating when they are. I absolutely love it. He did get an Oscar... Uh, for the 1968 film Charlie. Daughter Stephanie said he was a loving father, devoted friend, dedicated professional and honourable man. So we lost him as well. Cliff Robertson. Dreadful shame, isn't it? Dreadful, dreadful shame. And Andy Whitfield, who I mentioned earlier on, who starred in in Gladiator, he died. He had this uh, uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer and uh, it came back again. And unfortunately, he didn't didn't survive. He was only something like 39, 39, something like that. Just really, really, really young. Didn't take long for the police, did it? To trap dozens of gangsters. Gangsters. I saw what I thought were gangsters this morning, uh, running across the road by the Ritz. If ever you were staying in the Ritz in London, there seemed to be hordes of marauding people every night out on the streets. It's really quite awful. And uh, what they did, they actually trapped dozens of gangsters by turning uh, a hip-hop music shop into a crime haven. Villains who visited the store during the incredible 11-month sting were encouraged to use a back room. There they sold drugs, guns and stolen goods to officers posing as crooks with the dodgy deals captured on hidden cameras and microphones. Half a million pound operation and uh, it led to 37 people being convicted for a total of 150 years. Cool. How lovely. And so they've got them all here. Superintendent Lucy Dorsey said the undercover officers got training in music as well as running the shop. That's good, isn't it? I love it. One here called uh, James Jones of Tottenham, caught with a mobile kit that turned blank firing pistols into operative guns. He got seven years. 
silly little girl's blouse, aren't you? I'm sure they'll look forward to seeing you in prison. But uh, I was watching these people. Somebody ran across the road in front of the car this morning and punched somebody in the stomach. I wasn't actually sure, because the guy went, oh, and doubled up. And I wasn't sure if he'd been knifed or not. I just looked the other way. Which, unfortunately, because you don't want to get involved with these people. And uh, outside the Ritz. Just, abs- you know, perhaps people of limited intelligence. There's a lot of it going on, I'm afraid, at the moment. And I... I do find it slightly worrying. That's why, you know, occasionally I like to immerse myself in an old British film and try and forget about the nastiness that's going on outside there and concentrate on on uh, times which were good. More on this uh, invasion of this traveller camp. You know, this one this morning, Amanda. This is a traveller camp at Leighton Buzzard. They've spent the best part of a year watching it to find out, and 200 officers raided it the other day, and they discovered um, slaves held in dog kennels, in horse boxes and in sheds uh, by by the travellers down there. Some of them had been there for 15 years. They'd had their heads shaven and they were being used to uh, tarmac drives and do all sorts of work around. 200 police officers raided this site and saved 25 people, I think, about two, two dozen, 24, 25 people. And uh, these people were, were, were used for labouring, Uh, They were deemed cheaper than hiring machinery. One man had been kept as a slave for 15 years. They were threatened with torture. If they ran away, they'd be killed. Nice to know it's all still going on, isn't it? And uh, over in in the the camp, which is Strictly Come Dancing, the very creepy Anton, everybody says he's creepy. Nobody likes him. He's a bit of an oil rag. And he's with Nancy Delusional, the woman whose only claim to fame is... Nothing, even though she's laughingly put down as an entrepreneur. No, a self-seeking attention. She's a bit like Sally Burko, a bit attention-seeking, no talent. And that's what Gary Barlow was telling people on The X Factor. And the audience, boo, boo. And I'm thinking, no, you're right. You're right. Tell people the truth. Don't let people, you know, stand and go, well, I think I've got talent. You haven't. They just put these people on because we laugh at you. We laugh at you because you're silly. And, and, you know, and I, th- I think the country deserves a little bit better. And Gary Barlow, who's actually got kids of his own, is, is quite, you know, aware of how this business works because he's, he's got talent. He knows exactly how it works. I love the idea that Downton Abbey's coming back and they've done a piece in the paper today on how much you could get servants for. I've discovered that I could afford a lot of servants. You could get, in the 1930s... Uh, you could get somebody, uh, like a major domo, to run your house. How much a year? 60 quid. 60 quid. You could get a parlour maid for under £8 a year. Eight pa- I'm getting some of these... Pe- this is fantastic. This is just brilliant. I mean, you know, for an outlay of something like 500 a year, I could have a full complement of staff. I could have people at Allen Towers who clean, you know, do my shoes, wash the car, prepare food... I think, I think to get a cook... I mean, I do have... Well, I've got a few people at the moment. I don't want to make a big thing about it. It makes it look a bit... Because, sadly, no, no cheque next door for her. No, no cheque, because nobody won the lottery again. £126 million now rolls over to Tuesday, when it'll be probably £136 million. In which case, she goes up £20,000. OK? So, I mean, I think I'm fairly safe doing it. If, of course, I'm not, I'm leaving the country very quickly. Because I've said to her, if I do win 126... I mean, the, all I kept dreaming was, you know, how much you could do for charity. And she is charity. You could do a lot to help little people. And she is little. You could do a lot to help people who are less fortunate. She is less fortunate. You know, it, you could do so much for people. 
you know, on, on I mean, you could just absolute go. Oh, you could you could just be a benefactor to so many many people. It would be absolutely wonderful. I'd love it. I would absolutely love it. So uh, I have been doing my double prayers every day. Actually, that was uh, I was going to mention to you after uh, Andy Whitfield died on his unofficial website. A lot of fans had said, listen, uh, it's come back again, the cancer. Can we ask everybody to pray really hard? So obviously people prayed really hard, but quite clearly the Lord God was not listening because uh, he, he lost his life at 39. And that's what I thought was a, a dreadful, dreadful shame. I, I hate it when you read about people who sort of lose their lives. Um, Jim Shelley talking about uh, Strictly Come Dancing. Very strangely, Nancy Delolio modestly suggested on the programme, after Sophia Loren, I'm, in the, I'm the most famous Italian in the UK. That'll be after, dear, Frankie de Tori, Paolo de Canio and Domino's Pizza, I suppose. I mean, really, the woman is so deluded. Perhaps she believes this this load of old hooey that she's putting out there. But uh, you would think, actually, that with Strictly Back, it was, uh, it was, in fact, as complex as the best Beatles album. They had them all, you know, being uh, mobbed by fans as if they were the BBC's Oscars, which, I suppose, given the ratings, it probably is. Uh, never mind that it featured household names such as Chelsea Healy, Dan Lobb and the one from McFly that nobody knows the name of. What scares me most, Lob revealed, is the dancing. You don't say. Brightness and intelligence, ladies and gentlemen. It's abounding on the television nowadays. It's early breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen with you until 7. News at 6 is next. On FM. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Monday morning. It's Moan Day. Because we moan. We moan about everything. We moan about the weather. We moan about the traffic. We moan about the kids back at school because of clogs up the roads. We moan about the buses. Actually, we don't moan about the buses so much. But we, we moan about everything. We moan about the state of everything. I always moan coming in silently in my head. I don't sort of do it verbally. I always moan about people on the streets going, Why don't you go home? Why don't you stay at Why don't you go and get a job? Why don't you do something? They all seem to be off on the days that I'm sort of coming into work. Looking at the papers this morning with Nick Ferrari. It's Conservative MP for Corby. And also uh, she who sits on the Select Committee for the Department of Culture, Media and Sport, Louise Mensch. She was the one who's recently risen to prominence due to her questioning of James and Rupert Murdoch as part of the phone hacking scandal. Nick will be looking at the start of the Trade Union Congress and asking if you agree with Unite Secretary Len McCluskey when he says that strike and civil disobedience are the only way to prevent government cuts. Do unions have any other voice except for strike action? And Nick will be bringing up to date with the Vickers Report, which will detail recommendations to reform the banking sector. All of that and more with Nick and the team after the news at 7 o'clock, so in just under uh, 50 minutes' time. Uh, other stories from the, uh, the papers today, apart from the, uh, the stories of the, uh, the girls and the, and the boys as well who lost their parents at 9-11. Uh, they were on the television yesterday, and that was, you know, very, very... Very sad for everybody concerned. Ten years on, there's a little girl here on the front page and she sort of is uh, collapsing with, with grief, uh, which is rather a shame. The story is where the British businessman shot dead in his bed with his wife. She was then abducted by, they think, pirates. The police there are expecting a ransom, but as yet nothing's happened. Amy Winehouse's dad fears a detox drug. This is what we were saying yesterday, and I think they were saying Librium she was on, and this is something that they, they give you... Um, to quit booze. So they give you something, and because she was by herself, she had a bodyguard in the house, but I think she was by herself. Now, we don't know what happened in the, in the last few hours at all, but he said there was nobody there to rescue her. Because if, she, if she'd gone under, you know, there'd been somebody there with her, a relationship or something, then somebody could have helped. But if you're by yourself, there wasn't anything. 
And um, and he's launching the charity today, which he says on the front page of The Sun uh, will save kids from drugs. And I'm afraid, I've had to say it won't. You can never save kids from... You might save one or two, but the majority of people are so wrapped up in it. It's so much of a culture nowadays. It's like knife culture. No matter how many times we see in the newspapers, and we have it from the, from the Metropolitan Police, we have it from the London Mayor, we have it from local authorities, there's going to be a knife amnesty. And yet still... Last week, we had a 15-year-old boy who knifed somebody else to death. So, quite clearly, kids are still going around with knives and still use them as, as a weapon. It's a case of, I'm bigger than you because I've got a knife. It's like, you know, I'm bigger than you because I've got a gun. I've only got a knife. Ah, but I've got a gun. And that's how it works nowadays. So, no matter how many amnesties you have, all it does is strengthen their position. The position being that uh, if, they, if you've handed your knife in, more fool you. Because I've still got my knife, and that's what makes me better. And that's what I say this morning. I didn't uh, realise, I have no idea whether or not the person who ran across the road and I thought punched somebody in the stomach, it could have been a knife. I wouldn't have had the faintest idea. But uh, that's what drink and drugs do to you. Uh, Mitch here, minder, called at 11am. He was sobbing. I asked him, is she dead? He said, yes. And he also said that uh, she never would have married um, uh, some of her, her boyfriends. She wasn't that sort of person. I think she was quite uh, happy. Jonathan Ross, they say, has lost more than a million viewers for the second episode of his TV show. Mind you, it was up against Last Night at the Proms. And I think the majority of Brits do like a bit of Last Night at the Proms. We like a little bit of patriotism. And uh, that's about a third of the audience. And so his uh, spokesman is saying, we wouldn't expect this, this to be typical. The ex-fiancé of soap star Jesse Wallace said last night he was still hoping they'd be reunited and have children together. Oh. Boring celebrities. They're so dull, these people. Uh, what makes me laugh, and we said yesterday on the programme, how much do you think Jesse Wallace was offered by a magazine for the photo deal? £400,000. For Small wonder that every celebrity known to man and some third-rate numpties do it for the money, because even if you're a hardly anybody, you can probably get 100000 quid out of them. If you're Jesse Wallace, you get... You know, she's only known him nine months. So, to be honest, we knew it was doomed from the start. But, of course, you know, you just let them blindly go on with these things. 400,000, he said. He said, he said we, we would have been stupid to turn the money down. For, as it turned out, the wedding never went ahead. So I'm assuming they don't get the money. But he's uh, making it now because he's selling his story to all the papers. N-dubs have decided to say it's over. I did laugh at Louis Walsh. <laughs> Because he was on The X Factor the other night. And somebody came on and said, oh, I'm a big, big fan of N-dubs. And so Louis Walsh said, I'll only repeat this because I did it yesterday. He said, uh, oh, right, so, you, so you're a fan of the N-dubs. And, and Talisa turned to him and said, it's not the N-dubs, it's N-dubs. And so he went, oh, it's like saying, you know, the Westlife. Here are the Westlife. Here are the, the Take That's. And uh, so it's, it's just N-dubs. I mean, Louis, who's in the business, knows nothing. Knew nothing about N-dubs at all, because then the bloke said, oh, and I got some hats like, like Dappy. And so Louis went, Dappy? Who's Dappy? And Talisa looked at him as if he was stupid. Which, of course, I mean, even I know who Dappy is. Don't I? Yes, I think so. He's in N-dubs. But they've, they've decided to call it a day. I suppose because they're all going their separate way, and I believe that uh, Dappy's got an album coming out. Uh, four times MOBO winners. I thought they were quite good. Like all these, these groups, though, they all come and go. She's forging her head on the television, which is, you know, which is OK. And, um, and uh, oh, and guess what? Oh, there's a lovely thing the other day in one of the papers. I, I can't read it out. But they go, and here is a picture of Stacey Solomon in her brand-new BMW from... And then they name the dealership. They name the dealership where, where she's actually uh, got it from. And I thought, that'll be today's freebie. That'll be today's freebie. Steve Allen.
Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Early breakfast, LBC 97.3, coming to you live from Leicester Square. It's going to be windy, rain in places, lots of umbrellas inside out. It will dry up, leaving a mostly dry and bright afternoon. The winds will ease tonight, still quite brisk in places tomorrow. Bright spells, showers developing, some of them becoming heavy and perhaps thundery, blustery at times. And by the time we get to Wednesday, further showers but lighter uh, winds. Thursday, mainly dry and bright with sunny spells. And Friday, some bright spells but showers too. So Liz Jones goes over to have a look at Vic Beckham's latest fashionista range. And uh, she says here, her henchwomen obviously had me on their least wanted list. They made me wait to one side. They told me I was blocking the entrance. The great and the good of fashion stomped past me in their giant shoes. Why was I barred from Victoria Beckham's show? Well, I've been critical about the fact she uses so much snake skin and crocodile skin. As a Spice Girl, she famously refused to wear fur. Now she makes £14,000 handbags out of animals. I almost emailed Victoria's right-hand woman and promised her that this time I'd give her boss a good review. But to do so would make me as corruptible as all the other members of the fashion press, because that's what they do. That's what they do, the fashion press. You know, if you want to get into certain fashion things, you write something bad about them, they don't want you in there. So they all have to sort of brown nose to keep in. Uh, She says, ah, well, I have looked at the clothes backstage and online, and here's what Victoria Beckham thinks you should be wearing next spring. Long black leather leggings that will inevitably sag at the knees after just one wear. But who cares, as this crowd only wear things once. Flat sandals, which one editor told me was so brave. Victoria can't wear heels because of the back. So then there's a picture next to her carrying the new baby, Harper 7, with the most ridiculously high heels. So, again, more lies from the fashion industry. Yeah, the baby's really called Harper 7. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why it's called Harper 7. I mean, it sounds like a, like a missile or a spacecraft. I mean, to be honest with you, they're both as barking mad as each other. Him, him with his, his t- Harper 7, yeah. And, the, and she doesn't actually push it in, in, in a push chair. She carries it round in ridiculous heels, which she can barely stand up in. They can't be doing her back any good at all, but never let that spoil a good story. Uh, she says, to be honest with you, there were lots of blousons and VB signature, the exposed zip. There were a couple of beautiful, or as her acolytes exclaimed, beautiful... Uh, dresses, a coral halter neck with grey military detailing, a pale chiffon dropway shift with embroidery, and two hourglass columns that'll be surely snapped up for the red carpet. But of course, it's the bags, isn't it? Most oddest item, a beetle's cap with patent leather trim, worn with almost every outfit. And of course, no trousers or real tailoring of any kind, probably because Victoria Beckham hasn't yet completed that part of her design degree. No, she's still at the wrapping fabric around me stage. She has not one original idea of her own. I mean, to be honest with you, do you ever remember Victoria Beckham going to design college? I don't remember that part of her career. I remember all the early bits. I remember the Spice Girls. And then they all do it now, don't they? There was a girl in... Um, in Hollyoaks, you won't know who she is because nobody else knows who she is, not even she knows who she is, and she says, because my, my singing career hasn't gone very well, I'm going to start designing clothes. And you think, oh, it obviously must be that easy. Can't be that difficult, can it? V- Victoria Beckham's done it, but to be honest with you, I mean, all those designers who are sitting listening at the pro- to the, to the programme this morning going, are you serious? These people can't design for toffee. There are people on the television, you know, proper designers who don't get the coverage that Victoria Beckham gets because she's got the best PR team behind her. So, I mean, she she could design, you know, a polythene bag and she'd get pages of coverage. And yet she still can't afford a pushchair for Harper 7. I mean, to be honest, I thought it was something you put down the toilet, but there you go. Perhaps that was Harpic. Uh, Steve, says Sarah, usually on the bus, but I'm enjoying you in bed with a cuppa. Let's start that rumour. 
And, uh, Steve, I moan about drivers who drive at warp factor nine in a 30-mile-an-hour area. It's dangerous and stupid. Where are they going? Says Johnny. Uh, Monday, moan, gym-bound with Eamon. Have to laugh about that, don't we? Gym bound. Who wants to go to the gym? Actually, um, even more so, uh, Nancy Delusional. We're still talking about her, so she's obviously quite happy about that. But they say she's confident. I don't think she's confident at all. Just take somebody to turn around and go, shut it. Zip it now. Because she was talking about how famous she is. The most famous Italian... Uh, she said, I'm second most famous Italian next to Sophia Loren. That's Leonardo da Vinci and Pavarotti Dunwill, done with. If, strangely enough, actually, Gino De Campo is more famous and, of course, has actually got a talent, whereas Nancy Delusional has no talent whatsoever. I don't know, though. I'm sure that Sven said she had a talent for something. If I could put, put my finger on it. But, in fact, it, it, it really sort of means that with Bruno Tonioli on the dancing panel and Vincent and Flavia, yes, she isn't even, she isn't even the most famous on Strictly Come Dancing. Oh, poor Nancy. Never mind, love. At least in your sad but tiny little mind, you think you look 30. The rest of us, you look about 90, I'm afraid. Uh, I think they're all doing very well. I think they're all doing very well. I'm not too sure, actually. And since Liz Jones has had her facelift, uh, she's now looking at other people. The fine line between fab and freak. And this is where you get a bit carried away. So you've got Madonna, and then you've got the plastic surgery addict, Jocelyn Wildenstein, known as the Bride of Wildenstein, because she'd had so much done that it, it sort of became a little bit embarrassing. But I, I did go through the papers earlier on, and I did tell you that there are a couple of creams I'm looking to get my hands on, because I've decided I can halt the ageing process, and, uh, and I'm not really sure what I can hold it back with, but there's this new stuff called Melon, I think, £169, but they say it does firm and plump fine lines. So I'm thinking I should do that. Janet Street Porter... Well, Barco. I love Janet Street Porter in a peculiar sort of way. Like, you know, you want to see her in something long and flowing, like the Thames. And uh, she'd, yeah, we, we kind of like her, but she's a little bit of a caricature. Now she's sort of entered her twilight years. And she talks about the fact that Liz Hurley used to be a mate. She said, a few years ago, I put on a gold bra and loyally participated in an embarrassing for me anyway, not her, Bollywood dance routine at her wedding to Arunaya in India uh, in front of hundreds of guests. Now she talks about... The fact that Shane spends more on his face than I do, because Shane apparently is using, using Estee Lauder products. Of course, nothing to do with the fact that Elizabeth Hurley has paid a fortune by Estee Lauder to promote. So she talks about her stuff on Twitter, and now he actually does it as well. So that's good, isn't it? Mind you, I think men should look after their skin. I don't, I don't see any problem with sort of men moisturising. Oh, look, guess who's back in the papers? This is the behaviour that put him in prison. Charlie Gilmore, his latest skirmish with authorities of a lesser magnitude but could cost him dear... Apparently, according to the mail today, he was found with three pounds in his pocket. Now, as you know, he's in prison. He's not supposed to have any money at all. And uh, this means that he could be in serious trouble. He could be in big trouble now with the authorities because of uh, he was caught with cash after a visit. Because, you know, three pounds in prison goes along. Apparently, you can get loads of stuff in prison for three pounds. Practically buy your way out, I think, nowadays. But anyway, he's found with it and they reckon that somebody passed it to him. And uh, so he's now going to be... Because he was searched after this, this visit. Because he quite clearly hasn't learnt anything. He's obviously still stupid. This is the man who swung from the cenotaph and, uh, and threw a bin at a convoy of cars carrying Prince Charles and then smashed a window during the protest. He's a very silly little child, I'm afraid, but uh, a few people like him. Apparently now he's in real trouble and he's distraught and he knows he's messed up because he's got three pounds in his pocket. But anyway, it's not known who the visitors were. He's reported to have dozens of books sent to him by his godfather, Sir Elton John. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? It's nice to know that Elt supports the little people. Anyway, uh, Mr Gilmore's lawyers and PR firm. He's got a PR firm. 
you think he'll be selling his story when he comes out? Of course he'll be selling his story. Oh, my name's not Steve Allen. I'm the kind of person now who sort of predicts these things. I do like the idea that Doris Day is back in the charts. I like the idea that that album, recorded, I think, way back in 2004, has put her way back into the charts. So that's, that's fantastic. She's over 80, over 80 now. And this, this album has, uh, has done very, very well. So I'm very pleased. There's a lovely lady in the paper today. Her name's Violet Strugnell. She's lived in the same house for a hundred years. A hundred years. She moved into this three-bedroom terrace home in Portsmouth uh, with her parents when she was a toddler. Bought for £175. It's now worth 150000 And um, she's got no children, so nephews and nieces will inherit it. She's a hundred. She looks fantastic for a hundred. She really does. Here we go. Just in case you were thinking today, just to cheer you up, if you want some servants, this is, sorry, 1901 is the year, okay? Downton Abbey, life below stairs. If you want a coachman, £18 a year. £18. The equivalent today would be £1,027. £18, you get a coachman. If you want um, uh, a first footman, £26 a year. £26 a year gets you a first footman. A lady's maid, you could have a lady's maid. That means somebody who comes and goes, you are beautiful, and, and does your hair. And Would you like to wear this outfit? I'll get you another one out. I'll go and press it for you. That you can have for £32 a year. All your food cooked, seven days a week, cook's going to cost you 40 quid a year. I mean, it's just... Today's equivalent, 2282 So they were well below pay. Well, Bill, the housekeeper, somebody who goes round, you know, and looks after... Yep, Ruby, come here, clean this. That, 45 quid a year. And the top job, the butler, 60 quid. I mean, for a few hundred quid. Small wonder that all these people in Eaton Square and all the super squares around London had loads of staff upstairs and downstairs. Out in the countryside, the wages would have been even worse. Even worse. So when you look at... Um, what was that lovely film that was done? Gosford Park. And you look at how many staff were in the house. It wouldn't have it would have been less than a thousand pounds a year for all those staff. Admittedly, I'm assuming you had to buy their uniforms. I don't think they actually came with uniforms. But even by the time you'd bought things like that, how wonderful! I mean, that just all the, it just it's fantastic to have all these people rushing around you and and doing things for you, which is which is very nice indeed. But uh, of course, it was slave labour. Hurricane Katia is going to hit at some point today. Uh, I don't think in London we're actually going to get to... Mind you, I'm not going to... Actually, I'll take that back, because I remember a weatherman some years ago, Mr Fish, going, yes, we've had reports and people asking about this storm. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about, so I'm not saying anything. Just in case I come in tomorrow morning and there's uprooted trees and everything else. Actually, talking of trees, I was looking at a, a piece in Country Life last week, and they've got famous trees. There's a big one in Richmond Park which they reckon is hundreds of years old. Down by the riverside in Twickenham, there is a whole series of trees. You can see how old they are by these huge gnarled trunks, which must be, they must have been planted at saplings. And there's one very famous tree in Marylebone High Street, which has survived, it used to be in a churchyard, but the church went, and the tree has survived the blitz, bombings, fires, flood, pestilence, Dutch elm disease and everything else that was thrown at it, and it's still there. And uh, it's one of the only surviving trees, in, but it's, it's become very famous as a survivor, you, you watch, it will be going down Marylebone High Street. There'll be people driving around going, Jim, Steve Allen talked about that tree today. And here it is. It's fantastic. I like things like that. I like looking at all these, these old bits which they all stick in. Now, Paul says, yet again, you have been proved right. On yesterday's show, you mentioned about the TV licence and the old dodge of people saying they shouldn't pay the licence as they don't watch the BBC, ITV being funded by adverts. 
Quite rightly, you said the BBC does show adverts. In fact, I remember years ago, they got a slap on the legs for promoting the Radio Times, resorting to the old other listing mags available ploy. Am I the only one who thinks, just despite being a huge fan of hers, how fortunate and how fortuitous it is that following a themed evening about her, Doris Day has zoomed into the charts with the new album. Just imagine how much that publicity would cost if transferred to advertising revenue on ITV1. Shades of the old record plugger. Fantastic, isn't it? So well done to her. He's he's saying a bit more about uh, the X Factor, which we'll come round to in a moment. But I'll remind you, just in case you're waking up this morning, it's Moan Day. I mean, every day is Moan Day, as far as I'm concerned, which is quite good. It's very good for you. Exercises, every single muscle in your face. Have a good old moan and a bit of a rant. And you can do it on LBC 97.3, not just this morning, but any time you like. Time now, 6.30. Paul says, after watching X Factor and the girl who was urged to go solo, it now transpires she'd got as far as boot camp last year. Yet another case of, let's change the rules when we want. That's insulting enough. But are we really supposed to swallow Lulu Walsh saying, you were here last year, as if he just recognised her? Don't kid yourself. It was all in the papers, in the same way as the poor lad from Brighton sat forlornly by himself with his bottle of water, and the last turn on the show had the best voice of the evening, and luckily a sick mother to boot. How lucky was that? You couldn't make it up. Genius, says Paul. All that was missing was Peter Kay, our Wayne, and our Gran. Exactly. I mean, you cannot make it up. It's it's so cleverly done, and we love it to pieces. That's why we sit there and watch it. Somebody's sitting there with, you know, their little bottle of water, and you think, you're, you're going to have a good voice, aren't you? And just very quickly, just before we talk to Darren Tossel, Joey Essex, I mean, you really couldn't make it up, could you? Is launching his own hair care and beauty range. Oh, how sweet at 20. Unfortunately, he can't use his favourite word, which is ream. Nobody but him ever uses this. It's because it's already been registered by somebody else as a trade name. So he's got to stick with Joey Essex. He's wasted, sorry, he's given £2,000 to trademark his own name for a new range of men's beauty products. I wouldn't waste your money, pal. Nobody's going to be buying them. Who on earth would be interested in a 20-year-old's, which, of course, wouldn't be done by him, it'd be another company, when you can go and get proper stuff? Simple as that. You know, Joey Essex, I ask you. Ream? Don't think so. 20 minutes to uh, seven. I never thought it was eight, actually, for some reason. Morning, Darren. Morning to you. Where are we off to now? Is it open house day? It's open house weekend this weekend. Over 700 venues in London that are going to be open for the weekend for you to have a little wander around. Mm-hmm. Some you have to pre-book, some you have to go into a ballot, some you can just turn up. Here are some of the highlights. Let's start with my favourite one, which I uh, recommend every year, the Dalla Bingo Hall in Teaching. It's the finest cinema in Britain. It's the only great one uh, cinema in the Is this the Granada? This is the Granada, yes. yeah. yeah. Um... It's only open for a couple of hours. You go onto the website and just check how long, uh, sorry, which day and how long and what time, etc. Do it, but you must, must go and see it if you've never been inside mm. there. Uh, unbelievable um, interior. Looks very plain on the outside. You wait until you go in on the inside. Mm. BT Tower is also open, but that's ballot only. So go on the website for that. Put your name and address in, and they'll be doing the draw this week. And that's you get nice. for that. 26 Whitehall, that's the former Admiralty Buildings. So that's open for a little snoop around two. I can't remember if I've been there. I think I've done the Foreign Office. The Foreign Office is open yeah. as well for the weekend. If you've never been there, yeah, amazing, amazing buildings yeah, there. Amazing. Yeah. Um, go and have a little snoop around there. 55 Broadway, you know what that is? The headquarters 55 of? Broadway? Broadway yeah. what? Just Broadway, 55 Broadway. I don't even know where Just Broadway is. Where is Broadway? You know exactly where it is because you used to work 
round the corner in uh, Scotland Yard. Oh, it right. The, uh, oh, it's near Victoria. Of, yeah, the home of London Underground. I used to work in New Scotland Yard, yeah. yeah. Amanda has no idea about my, my previous record as a, as a serving police officer. <laughs> Detective <laughs> Allen, at your service. It's a, yeah, right, OK. I was um, an undercover person. <laughs> 55 Broadway is uh, the headquarters of the London Underground. It's that great big white art. Oh, decor. I know where it is. I know where it yeah. is. Where all the coaches park up. No, that's in uh, that's the coach station. No, no, no. The coaches all park up by the London no, right. Underground thing. It's in it's in the road that leads down from Central Hall, Westminster. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So all the coaches park up during the daytime. Okay. When I was an undercover sewer rat, I remember distinctly uh, popping up, you know, lifting up the cover and hello. I don't think coaches are allowed to park there anymore, are they? Because of security. No, they, they were there the other day. There were special coach bits. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Because I could yeah, never park okay. there. Because you're an undercover coach driver. Because I was an undercover coach driver dressed as a rat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so you can have tours of that. Uh, again, check on the website. Bush House, that's open as well. Oh, Did I have a little sniff around nice. Bush House? Nice to go and see where my money's been wasted over the years. Perhaps I can go in there and claim some of it back. Well, if you think about it, apart from the Gala Bingo Hall, your money's been wasted in all of these places. Yes, exactly. Most of it have wasted my money. But <laughs> I've now discovered, that, well. as they put in the paper today, about how little you could get servants for in 1901. I'd have been better off opening an agency for servants. Yes. Uh, also open, all the, many of the places at Burlington House, including the Linnaean Society of London, which is the... Um, that's where the Origin of Species... Uh, sorry, the, the Darwin Papers were written for the first time. Mm. The Royal Astronomical Society, the Society of Antiquities... The Royal Academy of Arts, and, um, well, that's all open as well. So they're doing tours of all the various buildings there. The New West End Synagogue, Paul Cullis House, right. Reform Club, the Royal Automobile Club, the Royal Geographical Society. Wow. They're even doing tours of the Dorchester. How nice. Behind the scenes yes, there. that would be good. The, Na- the Naval Club, the Travellers Club, the yeah. Old Marylebone Town Hall. Brompton Cemetery tours of that. This is another one I'd like to go and have a look at before they um, change it. The, uh, do you remember the uh, Commonwealth Institute down? Yes, yeah, bottom uh, of Ken High Street. Yeah, they're doing tours of that because that's about to be changed into the Design Museum. Is it? Yes, indeed. Oh. So you can go and have a look at that before they change all of that around. Do they have a Later. website for all of this, or do you have to go to everybody's websites? No, no, it's one website. Um, or you can go onto your iPhone and download the um, the brochure on there hmm. um and it can tell you exactly what times because a lot of these things are only open for a couple of hours and it's first come first so all you have to go on a ballot there was one in Whitehall. i remember years ago somebody telling me about and you go into it and it's you look down on an older an old tudor tennis court which was that, part of the palace of west and i can't remember where it is that's the cabinet office between it's the cabinet office between um Downing street and uh, Whitehall. right and there's a corridor that runs between down, uh, Downing Street. So when you go into uh, the cabinet office, when they run between the two buildings, you go down the corridor. You can see the, where the tennis courts were, the old Palace of Westminster yes. walls, and I think the wine cellars near there as well. Yes, I believe there is, yeah, because it, yeah. people don't realise that the Palace of Westminster ran from Parliament Square up to Trafalgar Square. Yeah, it was huge. the whole Absolutely area. Huge. It was incorporating, I assume, the banqueting house and yep. uh, the only remaining bit of the outside which is the set yep. of steps on the embankment which led down okay. to where the Thames was, but now the Thames has shrunk to half its size, but the steps are still there. Indeed. In fact, they're doing tours of 
uh, banqueting house as well. Good. You can do lots. Actually, that's probably a, one of the good ideas. Pick a place in London and just stick to it because Whitehall alone will keep you busy for the day. Yes, yes. Um, but you should do it. I mean, you, ladies and gentlemen, you should really go onto the website and, and check out these places. But if you need to book them, do book them because the queues get immense and sometimes you won't get in. Yeah. You actually queued for the foreign office, but it was well worth it when you were in there. Turn up early for something like the foreign office, and yeah. then you can do um, Paul Cullis House. Because all they have ones. security checks inside these buildings as yeah, well. Absolutely, there'd be security checks for almost all of these. So yes, be careful on that one. Uh, Peter Jones as well. They're doing tours of that building behind the scenes as well. Oh. Get little those around. And the other one I'd quite like to do, which I've never done, Trellick Tower. You know that building? You've probably been past it a thousand times. Where is it? It's the great big. Um, former council estate on the west way which was built that horrible looking building oh, yes. which was um designed by goldfinger oh yes yes who lived up at hampstead yes yes and it's the one with the uh, big lift tower that's slightly detached from it oh, wow. and it's so ugly that's yeah. the reason that ian fleming called his villain goldfinger is after the man who designed that building good lord mind of information so the, the, the website again is just type in Open House Weekend into Google. It will take you straight to it. Or right. go on your iPhone or iPad and download the app from there. You do have to pay for it, though. Yes. It's, it's, it's well worth going because some of the, the, these places, you'll never get a chance to go in again. They, they only, some of them don't even come up every year, do they? They're just, they, they might add a few of them. But well worth going to. People are fascinated by going That's behind the scenes to places that you go past right. every day. That's just a few of the over 700 places this weekend. So Good uh, Lord, honestly. Very busy weekend indeed. You wait till we offer tours of this building. I tell you, there'll be queues around the block. Two and a half minutes, and then what do you do? (laughs) Thank you very much. See you on Sunday. Looking forward to you already. There's Darren Tossel. So do check that out. It's Open House Weekend. Although, actually, I'm very busy this weekend, so I can't do it this year, which is uh, is a great shame. Jack says, I thought Nancy, delusional, looked a fright. Can't wait till they do Halloween to see what they've dressed her as. You know, she had a bit of a nightmare the other day. She wanted six-inch heels, and they went, no, health and safety, no, two-inch heels. And, of course, you know she's about as big as that. And, uh, and so she said no. So they've compromised on four-inch heels. Because she didn't want to look too tiny. But she's been teamed up with creepy Anton Dubeck. Uh, please stop staying Harper 7. I keep thinking you've got a cold and I've overslept. I know, it does sound a little bit like that, doesn't it? I'm ever so sorry. Right about drugs, Steve. I live in Hoxton. And uh, if you can count to four, you're a DJ. If you can't, you're a drug dealer. Which apparently... <laughs> I like the idea of counting to four, because DJs always used to say the same thing. Now that it's, it's all mixing, but in the early days it was always one, two, one, two. So, in fact, actually, if you could count to two, you were a DJ, because you never did it. You never went one, two, three, four. You never did that. You just went one, one, two, one, two. I don't know why we did that. We just Somebody will have to explain to me at some point. I used to explain, when people used to say to me, why do you just go one, two, one, two? And, and you go, uh, well, because it uses all the, uh, all the notes and, on the different pitches. It was a load of old rubbish. I don't know why we said it. You just tested the microphone out very quickly. I keep looking at Joey Essex thinking, do you really want to look like him? I come to the conclusion, no, you don't. Quarter to seven. Let's check on the headlines with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. A report out in the past couple of minutes says Britain's... Nick and the team with you in uh, about uh, 12 minutes' time. Louise Mensch, Conservative MP for Corbyn, sitting on the Select Committee for the Department of Culture, Media and Sport. We're looking at the papers for today. Thank you to Pat in Stansted. Sent me in a lovely book. Actually, somebody had sent me this one before. It's about all the different biscuits that you can get that people have. You know, we did a huge thing on biscuits a while ago. And uh, they talk about sandwich biscuits. They talk about the origins in this book, Party Rings. 
These are the, they're sort of like an ice ring, and you can get the chocolate versions as well, which are quite nice. And uh, mint Viscounts, which were very nice. We liked club biscuits, were very popular. And the history of the penguin, uh, plus other biscuits here that you might not have heard of, Tim Tams. So I've never... Oh, you've heard of Tim? Oh, she's heard of them. Well done. They, they go back to the Eurochoc. And my favourite one, which you will remember, because it always looks... I think they sell this in Waitrose. It's the Petit Beurre and the Petit Ocullier. You see these ones. And it's a, it's a picture of a sort of man on the front of a biscuit with serrated edges covered in chocolate. And they do them in, they're quite expensive. Well, the other ones are Choco Leibniz, I think. You know those ones? You always think you're very posh when you have things like that. You know, people come round for tea. And Oreos... I can't get into Oreos, and for some reason they just don't look nice to me. I don't, I've never tried them. I know that they're American, that's it. Have you ever heard of a Pocky? See, I've never heard of a Pocky, and yet if you saw it, you would know what it is, because it's, um, it's sort of a bit of biscuit, cracker and chocolate covered. It's essentially a long, straight, saltless pretzel, 80% dipped in chocolate. That's quite nice, actually. Perhaps you just sort of wave it around. And then they've got advice in this book on, on dunking, and also how, how to deal with, with, with bottom sludge. Because you get a lot of that. If, if you get the biscuits that just dissolve, and then cakes. You know, Jaffa cakes. They're not really a cake. They are traditionally a biscuit. And uh, having watched them being made, I can honestly tell you it's quite an art form. Even even packet cake, glacé cherries. My mum used to making things with glacé cherries. I used to love glacé cherries. Some people get, ugh, yucky yuck. But uh, in the pub I used to work at years ago, they used to do glacé cherries. Perhaps one day I'll, I'll write my book about my, my years at New Scotland Yard. And... <laughs> That's an undercover sewer rat. <laughs> I did. I worked there for about two, th- two or three years, actually. Yeah. Sarge. Sarge. <laughs> I think you've taken me back in my time there, young miss. Uh, you should open up your flat for open London weekends. We can see you hanging baskets, Steve. Yes, I'm sure that would be a very good idea for somebody. What a nice idea. Actually, I was looking at the, at the fish shop in Twickenham the other day, Sandy's, and I meant to remark to Stuart, he's managed to hang on to his hanging basket. Mine have gone weeks ago now. They were ri- we had a bad lot this year. I don't know why. I said to Paul Cooper, they're not going as well as they could do. And, uh, and yet the, the fish shop is doing particularly well. Always a little bit embarrassing. Uh, David says, can you mention on your Monday show, it's my wife Anne and me celebrating our 47th anniversary. 40, good Lord, honestly. 40, is that years? 40, how do you, well, how do you make things last 47 years? Says, and my brother Doug and his wife Shirley's anniversary on the same day, and they celebrate 52 years. What is the secret of that separate bedrooms, I should imagine? But anyway, uh, Doug's not been too well of late and has, uh, has been in three different hospitals in the last two weeks. So get well wishes go to him and to Anne on this our special day. A year ago, I was diagnosed with renal and lung cancer, but was fortunate to go on a successful drug trial at Bart's and am now well on my way to speedy full recovery after the offending kidney was removed. And my chemotherapy continues to deal with what was the secondary cancer on my lung. So it's a rather special anniversary, all things considered. We have you on early every morning that you're on and often laugh out loud at some of the things you say. Uh, me too. Me too. Uh, James says, I don't understand your cynicism. The only reason I went into broadcasting and now teaching is because my singing career floundered. I bet that's why everyone who does something other than singing is due to a failed singing career. Look at yourself. Did you not at one point refer to yourself as a chorister? Obviously, the void of number ones means you are now on the radio. Yes, I mean, that was when I was nine, for goodness sake. I mean, you know, she's only here next door because of a failed singing career. It's the same for many people. You know, you, you come out of something and then you, and then you sort of you go into something else. But actually, I never wanted a career in singing. I never did. It's all right for people like Michael Ball and, and stuff like that. And, um, and pe- pe- people can sing. I mean, I can sing, really. I could, I could, I've actually not a bad voice. 
Not a bad... Gordon has had a few rough weeks, and Sandra and the hospital, he said, have been fantastic. So it's their wedding anniversary as well today. Lovely Gordon and Sandra. They're off to St Ives. And uh, he says, tell Sandra I love her very much today. So, listen, he said, I'm very grateful to lots of wonderful people. We should all be grateful to lots of wonderful people, I promise you. Because throughout your life, you meet somebody and you think, you're a wonderful person. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you you're a wonderful person. Uh, Patricia says, there is a difference between Vic Beckham and Stella McCartney. Stella did go to fashion college and is very talented. Yes, but strangely enough, Victoria Beckham gets tons of coverage. Because she's got very good PR, and that's what the business is, is all about. Nobody can believe this Harper 7 thing. Sounds like a cockney telling the time. Ha, ha, ha. It's, I know. It's odd, isn't it, really? Strange. Uh, Steve, disturbing to hear, says Tim, that Victoria Beckham is unable to wear flats because of her back injury. The reason she got the back injury in the first place isn't because she was pregnant... It's because she persists in wearing such ridiculously high heels. Why do people want to wear ridiculous... I mean, she's carrying Harper 7 in the pictures in the paper today, that, and she's wearing these big heels. Harper, I can't remember that's what the baby's called. It's like, you're called Amanda, I'm called Stephen, you know, Steve. And um, her toes have now got gigantic bunions. Her calves have shortened, because actually Tim is at the... Uh, Institute of Physique Management. So I mean, they know about this kind of thing. And the reason she can't wear normal shoes is because she's unable to stand or walk like a normal human being. Very sad to observe. Such people, listen, Tim, people do this. It's in the, in the, in the name of fashion. They do all sorts of things. You know, people go, oh, I'm going to wear this. You ask, um, you know, people about fashion and they go, oh, I'll wear you go, but it, it really looks ridiculous. They go, yes, but it's fashion. And you can't, you can't take people away from it. I've seen people, you know, when we used to see punks in London, and you'd look at them and you'd think, you look stupid, and they go, it's fa- you don't understand it, it's a statement. Amanda's brother was, was a punk rocker. I myself was, was not a punk rocker. It kind of came in a bit too late for me. But I remember seeing, ad- I, I would have made a very good punk, actually. Imagine trying to tease my hair into some sort of shape, you know, all sort of sticking out. And in fact, I got on the train the other day. And there was somebody getting on the train on another platform. And, of course, we all looked because he had a Mohican, but a huge pink Mohican, which was hilarious. Jim says, I hate to break this to you, but a Jaffa is a cake. No, it isn't. It's a biscuit. OK. It's, I know it's called Jaffa cake, but it's not really. It's a biscuit. I know, because I used to watch them making them. And I could tell you, they make them in Manchester. And I used to know the person who sat on the line with a stick with a point on the end. And if the, if the, if the, the, uh, the tangy bit in the middle was off-centre, he had to take them off because the, the chocolate only went over the top of them. They went through the little, the little chocky bath. All good stuff, you know. When you've seen them being made everywhere, you cannot get away from one direction. They're in all the papers today. And uh, it's the cheesy photo set, all pretending we're all like buddy-buddies. You wait till the fights start. Because so far, you've not heard them sing a note. But their, uh, their single is doing very well indeed. Will he let them sing? I shouldn't think so. We heard them once singing on The X Factor. It was appalling. It was dreadful. They didn't win. They came third. So there's lots of effort, you know, being pushed into one direction because they've probably got a TV series. Jedward, I think, have got a TV series as well for children's television, not for, not for, not for adults. And uh, it's obviously quite easy now. It's no good winning The X Factor. You need to come second or third and they need to look at you and decide, can they make money out of you? And the answer is, in the case of One Direction, I shouldn't imagine they've made diddly squat at the moment, but I should imagine Psycho's done very well because they've, uh, they've managed to promote it. But there's lots of stories in the paper about the X Factor, and, uh, and it's just beautifully put together. I cannot fault it. 
you know, it is wonderful. You know when somebody comes on and they go, I'm a big, big fan of you, Talisa, and big fan. It's nice to see you, Louis, and I love you. And Louis goes, like that. And then you know damn well they're not going to be able to sing. And that's when it all goes pear-shaped. And that's when we all go, oh, my goodness. And that's when they do the cutaways to the audience. How many cameras have they got there? I don't know. It seems like hundreds. It seems like hundreds and hundreds. Listen, we'll do it again tomorrow. If you go to the LBC website, there's all the, the great pictures. We put together a huge montage for 9-11 the other day, including pictures of the, of the memorial to those who lost their lives, nearly 3,000 people. So go to lbc.co.uk. And if you've never podcasted before, go and check out the podcasting because that will change your life. Lots of people have said to me, we, uh, we download the programmes and we go away on holiday and at least we've got LBC to take with us. So why don't you go to lbc.co.uk. Check out later the blog and the podcast and we'll do it again tomorrow morning from five. Take an umbrella today. Bit windy and blustery this morning and it should brighten up by this afternoon. But the forecast for this week, not great. Nick and the team, good forecast with you after seven. The business update now with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing down a